everybody. Welcome to another Gold Diggers podcast, part of the Niners Nation podcast network. We are just one day away from game day because the Niners are playing on Saturday this week. I am so excited to be joined by Michelle Majuk from the Ball Blast Football Podcast and NFL.com. Happy holidays, Michelle. Woo woo. Hey, hey is what I should say, but I changed it up. Should I say ho ho? Yeah, there you go. There's so many different ways to go about it. Yeah, happy holidays. What you doing for Christmas? I have rearranged my family's entire Christmas Eve because the Niners are playing tomorrow. So we normally do a thing at night, a dinner, exchange gifts, yada, yada. Now I said, no, no, I flag this before Thanksgiving. I was like, we got to switch it up. We got to do dinner way earlier and I need to be home in my chair, in my spot. So long story short, Christmas Eve for the Guerreras starts at 11 o'clock tomorrow. I was going to say, is your wife super annoyed that the 49ers play? Not e- it's not even the early game. So like that, there's only two games at three, well, three o'clock our time, but the later games, there's only two of them. And the 49ers happen to be one of those games. She has to be so annoyed, right? She is not pleased that we are rearranging <laughs> everything, but my aunt and uncle heard the news and they were like, that's great. That's better for us. So I look great. Oh, nice. Now, uh, I don't even know how much of it I will be able to watch because I have to work the earlier games and then write my game and then do other work. I'll have the 49ers on in the background, but then I got to run over to my family because we're doing our exchange of gifts. We all had like a secret Santa and all of that. I was going to ask, yeah, what you were doing because I know you, NFL Network has always uh, got you doing something. Um I want to remind everybody, please rate, review, follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. We're so grateful for all your reviews during the year, uh, all your support. It's been incredible. We have absolutely smashed our download record that we set last year. We have more than doubled it this year. So and that is thanks to you, and we appreciate it. I want to read this review from Twin49er, subject Michelle, five stars. Okay, you guys better hold on to Michelle because she's so good, funny, and informative, and just plain good. Please don't leave. Just saying. I'm not going anywhere. I'm here. The My favorite part of that is funny. I, I like that compliment. Thank you. I think that's accurate. You make me laugh all the time. Well, thanks, Stats. It's just because I'm mean to you. I guess, <laughs> I guess that's what you like. That's true. You are mean to me. And tell the truth. I'm very nice to you, especially on holidays. Do I not? On holidays, you become a little smush face and you always send a really nice message. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, man, it makes me feel bad. Yeah, but it doesn't stop you from being mean to me the rest of the time. So no. you can't feel too bad. No, I always send you something nice back sometimes. That's true. All right, let's get into this game because Kyle Shanahan is facing his nemesis. He hates the Washington Commanders. He hates Daniel Snyder because Snyder fired his father and him. I should mention years ago that basically ended Mike Shanahan's coaching career. Trent Williams hates the commanders also because they misdiagnosed a cancerous growth on his head for multiple years that almost killed him. So there's some things beyond just trying to get the number two seed going on in this week. Yeah. And it's going to be such a low scoring game. I think like the over under is 37 and a half, which I don't, I wouldn't even be brave enough to take that over. And that's so low. Both defenses are really good. And then you have two quarterbacks, which, I mean, A, Brock Purdy's doing his thing, but he's still a seventh-round rookie, you know? Mm -hmm. And then Taylor Heineke is just, he's he can come up with some good throws, but he's not a good overall quarterback to be starting every game. But the 49ers have allowed 17 or fewer points in seven consecutive games. 
the commanders have allowed 21 or fewer points in 10 consecutive games. So they know exactly what they're doing here with that over under. Cause if you add those two up, it's 38 and the over under is 37 <laughs> and a half. This is, I, I just don't expect much scoring at all. Yeah. It's going to be a, a kind of a knockdown drag out and you've got defensive linemen on both sides returning. You've got, Chase Young making his season debut, which if you remember in 2020, he terrorized the 49ers, had a long fumble recovery for a touchdown as well during his rookie of the year season. He's coming back for Washington and for the Niners on the flip side, Javon Kinlaw's coming back for the first time since week three. So these defenses are actually getting stronger. Is Kinlaw actually going to play? Yes. He's Kyle Shanahan said he's full go. He's not even on the injury report. Over under 10 snaps. Yeah, I do worry about that. I worry about it because they used a return from IR spot to bring him back. So you can't have him play one game and then, oh, it flared up again, and now he's out because then you've kind of wasted that spot. And there's other guys that they could bring back, Hassan Ridgeway, Elijah Mitchell, although they could still bring Mitchell back. I continue to say Trey Lance. So Kinlaw's got to play, and he's got to play every week. And, and Kyle basically said, like, look, we're at the point now where we've done all the rehab we can do. The only thing we can do now is play him and see how it responds in the days and weeks after the game. Yeah, hopefully he can stay healthy and get through this game. I doubt they push him to too many snaps. Like, you don't just go this long without playing and then throw him in and he plays even more than half the game. So I don't expect him to be out there all too much. He doesn't need to be, right? This isn't a must-win game or anything like that. Like, bring him back slowly. And I expect the commanders to do the thing, same thing with Chase Young. They don't really need him all that much. They're one of two teams that have three-plus players with seven or more sacks this season, along with the Eagles. Like Their defensive line is so good. Their defensive tackles uh, with Payne and Jonathan Allen are fantastic. So there's going to be a lot of pressure up the middle, uh, and the 49ers offensive line is going to have to come through to keep Brock Purdy not from making stupid mistakes if he gets too much pressure. And there may be pressure coming from the outside. I didn't know this. I just found this out today. Mike McGlinchey has been playing through a pair of broken ribs since week eight. This is stunning to me. Uh, It was against the second game against the Rams, and he didn't realize that they were broken early for like a few weeks. He How do you not realize your ribs are broken? Every time you like cough or laugh, it has to hurt. Right. I mean, I assume there was some pain there. He said he didn't realize his ribs were broken for another three games until the pain flared up against the Saints, which is crazy. And by the way, his performance against Seattle, the most recent game, was his second highest graded game by PFF all year. So shout out to Mike McGlinchey because he gets pooped on a lot. And sometimes it's by me, I admit. And, you know, his bad plays tend to go viral and he gets a lot of criticism. And this guy's been gutting it out this year with two broken ribs for an offensive lineman. I can't imagine what that's like trying to play through that. And after the games, he must be in agony. And he's played okay this year. So credit to you, Mike McGlinchey. I don't even know how you hold some, like if you have to use your abs (laughs) and dealing with the rib uh, broken, I wouldn't even know how you would handle that. But yeah, you would think Montrez Sweat, who has four sacks over the last five games, they would want to put him against McGlinchey instead of Trent Williams. But now you, if Chase Young does play half the snaps or whatever they give him, you have to deal with either Chase Young or Montez Sweat on the outside and then two great defense tackles on the inside. Their defense line is no joke. Like They're going to get pressure on Purdy. And Purdy, on one hand, hasn't thrown interceptions. Zero interceptions his two starts. 
I know he had one when he came in as the backup, but he has had plays where like that should have been an interception, you know? So he's been lucky. Now, how long will that luck last? I don't know. But if the commanders can get pressure and not even just the inside, all, all over that defensive line, this could be a game where he has a couple turnovers. The whole thing though is, I don't really know how much it matters on the offensive side. Cause I can't imagine the commanders doing anything on offense. Like I, they're just like, they could barely score against the giants last week, 12 points. I'm not worried about what they're going to do against this 49ers defense. That's going to be what it comes down to. If, if Purdy turns the ball over and gives Washington short fields, the Niners could be in trouble. Cause I agree. I don't think they're going to score that many. If he can protect the ball, they'll be okay. He has been good against the blitz this year. Now, the, the difference is if Washington can get pressure with just their front four without having to blitz, that's going to be a different challenge for Purdy. But if they try to go all out and just blitz him like crazy, he's been okay. Miami blitzed the hell out of him when he came in. He He's pretty good in that area. Where I worry about him is if they are able to get pressure with just four, and then he has to decipher coverage and make tight window throws. Like He does have physical limitations. So that's when it could get a little bit dicey for him. Yeah, I keep telling people like this is not going to be a pushover kind of just show up type of game. I'm actually more worried this week than I was against Seattle. Yeah, and you make a good point there because the commanders actually uh, force the most tight window throws when uh, not blitzing, sending less than five defenders for the blitz. So this is going to be one of those games that really tells us about Brock Purdy. I, I listen, we've, we've seen now he can be a good game manager. He's it'll be fine. Like you can go into the playoffs and that defense can carry you. The weapons can carry you. It'll be okay. Like this, even if he has a bad game, it's not like, Oh no, the 49ers are screwed. But if he ends up coming out here, throwing another two touchdowns, zero interceptions, another hundred plus passer rating against this defense. It's like, maybe this dude's kind of legit. Like, I, I think it can tell us one way if he's like actually super legit. And I think even if he struggles, it's going to be okay. I think his success speaks to just how good a situation this is for any young quarterback. This is what Trey Lance was supposed to have, right? This is why the thinking was we can turn the reins over to Trey Lance, even though he's so inexperienced because of everything around him. But just because you get the keys to a Ferrari doesn't mean you can drive it. And to this point, Brock Purdy has been able to drive the Ferrari without crashing into anything. And let's see if he can keep it going. I think he can. I hope he can. It's going to be interesting because I don't think the Niners are going to be able to run the ball as well as they have. And they've been very good during this win streak of running the ball. If they can't, and it does go more on his shoulders, that's when I do worry a little bit, especially because Debo Samuel is not going to play. Yeah, and for whatever reason, without Debo, Ayuk only had two receptions last week. He only had two receptions the week before that, too. Brock Purdy's not looking his way. It was all George Kittle and CMC last week. I mean, they use Christian McCaffrey like crazy. We'll see if they do that again. Washington's pretty decent against running backs, especially in the passing game. I, I think Purdy's going to have to start looking Ayuk's way a bit more for him to find success in this matchup. Yeah, they really leaned on Christian McCaffrey last week. And look, I get it. The NFC West was on the line, and he allows you to do a lot of different things. But they do have other weapons. Although, I have to say, it was so nice seeing George Kittle get involved. Like, more of that, please. Continue that. It was awesome getting the ball. And I think I kind of forget how good he is after the catch. 
his first touchdown, I, I can't remember the exact number, but it was only like a 20% or something probability that he was going to turn that into a touchdown. But he did because he's freaking great. And no one's going to tackle that monster of a man. Right. Once, he's, <laughs> once he's running in a corner or a safety has a tackle, you're like, it's not it's not going to happen. It's kind of like when Debo gets in the open space out deeper down the field. Like, it's so hard to tackle those just trucks of a man. I will say the Seahawks are super bad against covering tight ends. And that's Mm -hmm. been kind of the formula. Like clearly Kyle Shanahan knows this and he's like, okay, well this defense is bad at this. We're going to target Kittle. Washington has been very good against tight ends. So I don't know if he's going to be used as much, but it definitely is more fun. Like the games are much more fun to watch when they target Kittle. I mean that play on the first touchdown, first of all, that's a play that the Niners ran in the eighties, but I just love it. I love the creativity to get Kittle open. Like, yeah, draw it up specifically for George. The second touchdown, he wasn't the first read in the play. It was a busted coverage and Brock found him, which is good too. Don't get me wrong. But I love that that first touchdown was like, hey, we're going to kill him with George on this play because I feel like they don't do that nearly enough. No, they don't utilize him enough. They they should be using him just like the Chiefs use Travis Kelsey. It doesn't matter what matchup you're in with Travis Kelsey. It could be the hardest matchup for tight ends on the season and they're going to target Kelsey eight plus times and he's going to get it done because he's great and George Kittle's just as good they just don't use him enough yeah we'll see if that continues uh also if Christian McCaffrey does ever get a breather I don't know who's going to be taking carries behind him because Jordan Mason had a hamstring injury that flared up on Wednesday he's questionable maybe they should use our third round pick (laughs) I knew you were going to say something (laughs) I can't Is this the Ty Davis price game? Could we see him a little bit? I wouldn't mind it. I still don't. It's weird to draft a running back that high and be in week 16 and still not know if that running back is any good. I have no idea. Well, he, if he's good, then what the hell is this coaching stuff doing? Like, (laughs) I don't know. They have to give someone else carries and just Christian McCaffrey. He cannot be given the ball. 20 plus times against this defensive line, getting hit among these beastly guys that the commanders have and expect him to come out of this game fully healthy. Like you got to get some other guys, some touches in this backfield. Is it he Christian McCaffrey is just too important for the playoffs. And right now in week 16, you already have the playoff seed pretty much. I mean, you can move up to two or you can stay at three. Like, you can't ruin the playoffs just to try to win a game in week 16. Give the ball to someone else sometimes. Like, obviously, One... McCaffrey should still lead the backfield, but let Ty Davis Price touch it a couple of times. <laughs> the one seed is still possible. Now, it would take a lot because you've got to have Philly lose every single game the rest of the regular season, which maybe they do with Gardner Minshew in there. I think that injury to Jalen Hurts is going to be more than a one-week thing, so we'll see. But then you also have to have Minnesota not become the one seed. And I got to tell you, if Minnesota's the one seed, that's dangerous to me because then you've got to play Philly before the conference title game. And I don't want that. Even though I said I'm not scared of the Eagles, I still would much rather play them in the conference title game than the divisional round. Yeah, and I don't see the Vikings winning out. They have the Giants. So this is the thing. They have the Giants this week. Maybe they win that. But then they're on the road at Green Bay and at Chicago, like two of the coldest places in the country that you can play Kirk Cousins out of the dome, like, and then put him in that cold weather. I don't, and two divisional games. I do not see them winning out at all. So I actually fully expect the 49ers to be the second seed when it's all said and done. 
I think Gardner Minshew will win one of these games. I even think they could win this week against the Cowboys. Gardner Minshew's a really good backup. Like if you're yes, talking about, is. if you're talking about a guy that you have to go to, like Gardner Minshew, he'll be fine. He has the good weapons. He he's not going to ruin games for you. So I think they'll win at least one of their last three games. And so I see it: Eagles, 49ers, Vikings, Tampa Bay, Dallas. And then we'll see who makes the last two spots. I hope it's the Lions because they're so fun to watch. Ugh, everybody's all over the Lions. Like, well, what's not to love? Dan Campbell is awesome. I and I just I love me some Jared Goff too. He's he just like looks like a sweetie. Jared Goff outside in December is awful. Okay, like yes, just... send him to uh, Vikings versus Lions. Actually, would be great in Minnesota in a dome. That would be a fun. That'd be game. a fun game. Yeah. Yeah. I just like people forget that the first half of the year happened. They're acting like the Lions just started the year at one and seven, and then now, oh look, they're so great. Like no, they were horrible the first half of the year. Oh, they were, their they, offense was fantastic. Their defense was horrible. But right. they change. They must have changed up their defensive scheme because now all of a sudden they are the hardest defense to run on. Like right there with the 49ers no one can run on them at all and they face a lot of good running backs since like week eight they're just dominating the run game they're still their secondary is not great but they change up the scheme to be like okay we're going to shut down the run and that's helped their defense a ton so i think that's what's changed their offense has been good all all year long well i just want to see it like can they get over 500 before we start going crazy about the lions like i i just think that's fair such a little hater i'm not a hater I like we just saw this with the Dolphins, right? With Brian Flores. Remember, they started off one and seven, and then they got all the way back to five hundred. Everybody was like, "Oh, the Dolphins are so great!" And then they were like one game over five hundred for the rest of the well, year. The Dolphins didn't have you know these fun pieces. Okay, but like again, they didn't have a fun coach. I'm and well, they weren't putting yes. up a ton of points. They were just like winning. They weren't putting up points. They were just winning boring games. Like the Lions, on the other hand, are like doing the thing. That's the thing. thing. People like Dan Campbell because he does give good podium. And so now everyone's like, oh, the Lions are cool. They're fun. I'm not going to get excited about them until they can actually win more games than they lose. I don't think that's a I don't think that's a high standard. Like, imagine that. I do have I do. I came in here with a question for you, though, and I want to know your answer. I know it's a silly question, but the 49ers have won seven straight, as you know. Say they win out and they're on. 10 game win streak. Does that scare you? Or do you like, I know you can't ever hope for a win or a loss. Like while you're watching it, it. but like, do you kind of want to lose one of these games before the playoffs? Because going into the playoffs with a 10 game win streak scares the crap out of me. Because in order to win the Super Bowl, you got to go on a 14 game win streak. And those just don't happen very often. Like you typically have one game where the ball just doesn't bounce your way and you get unlucky. Like you even saw that with the Eagles this year against the commanders, like everything possible went against them. Like it just sooner or later, that game's going to happen. Can you go 14 straight games without that happening? I don't know. That's really hard. So I agree. Like you I don't totally want to lose question. a game, but ah, that's it. I don't ever want to lose a game, but if they do, I'm not going to have the vein in my forehead bulging like it usually does after a 49ers loss because you're right. Like a 14 game win streak. That's insane. Especially with three different quarterbacks. Well, really two different because Lance went down so early, but like it would be one of the wildest stories. It's why I continue to say Kyle Shanahan should absolutely be in the running for coach of the year and absolutely be in the running for coach of the year above Dan Campbell. I think Nick Sirianni deserves it the most. Why? That's 
Because he has his team at what thirteen and one, and I think he's just done a really great job. And he doesn't have D'Amico Ryan's as his defensive coordinator. Just he doesn't have his defense going seven straight games allowing seventeen or fewer points, while you your amazing offense keeps putting up like twenty points. Like Kyle Shanahan's coaching is on offense, and where they're amazing is on defense. Now. They're still getting it done. They're still winning games, and it's super impressive. They're on their third quarterback. And so Kyle Shanahan has been great. Don't get me wrong. The second half of the season, like getting it done without his, like playing with Brock Purdy. I get that. But when you have that good of a defense and you're not the defensive minded coach, like you can't give him the coach of the year. Like you're not even coaching that side of the ball. And that's where you're amazing. Can you answer a couple questions for me, real quick? Yeah. Why don't? the Eagles have D'Amico Ryans as their defensive coordinator. I don't know that he used to work for them and they let him go. Because they didn't hire D'Amico Ryans. You know who hired D'Amico Ryans? Kyle Shanahan hired D'Amico Ryans. So you can't knock him for having a good defense. Kyle made him the defensive coordinator. He hired him on the staff. And then when Robert Sala left, he promoted him to defensive coordinator. He had never been a defensive coordinator before ever in his life. So guess who gets credit? They give him GM of the year. Like that's not... It's not coaching. That's GM. It's ab- No, no, no. Part of being a good coach is replenishing your staff and hiring a good staff around you. That's I know. And that's credit. why I don't. That's why I think Mike Tomlin is overrated because he's so bad at managing his staff. He just lets <laughs> them be terrible for years and years and years. Anyways. So we, so we agree. Th- Kyle's coach of the year. Okay. That's no, good. We, no, we do not. But so the 49ers, the issue is because we're saying, you know, Going into this with a 10-win streak would be scary. They played the Commanders, the Raiders, and the Cardinals. I mean, they should win all of those games. And if they lose any, that's going to be disappointing because all three of those teams are pretty poopy. Now, I will say this is kind of – maybe next week's game would kind of be perfect because it's the AFC game. doesn't matter for the conference record. But just to have one of those games where the ball always goes against you. Like, I just kind of want one of those games where you get that out of your system and all the balls, like – you know, the fumbles are going, the the bounce in the opposite way and just a bunch of stupid mistakes and just, you just can't catch a break. Like, let's have one of those games maybe before the playoffs because I'm, football, like, it just scares me to be on too long of a win streak. Especially with Brock, right? You feel like at some point he's going to have, and and this isn't to knock him, but just like a learning opportunity game, you know, where like he makes a bunch of bad reads or the ball bounces off a receiver's hands, whatever. And you don't want that game to come in the do or die situation that is the playoffs. And, and we look, haven't really had to see Brock Purdy up play in a situation where he's behind. Yes. So that's also something he's had very comfortable like situations where you're not trying to come back. And I don't know if he's ever going to get that situation, though, is the issue before. Because, again, you're facing the commanders, maybe the Raiders put up some points probably not in the Cardinals. and then trace mcsorley yeah. with the cardinals possibly yeah so i i don't know if he's ever going to get that experience and we'll see if he even has to do it in the playoffs maybe the defense is just so good it doesn't matter but i would i, I just i would like him to get that experience i just don't see it happening it is crazy how much the ball has sort of bounced their way. Even that fumble against the Seahawks last year, right? That ball fumbles, boom. It goes right to Charvarius Ward, like right in the bread basket. And he runs it back, and that changed the whole entire game because they scored it in the end of the second. They scored in the first possession of the third, and the game was basically over after that. Um, so 
So I get that. I, I, I understand why you think it's like kind of a crazy question, but I totally get why you're asking it. Cause I've had the exact same thought. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll get into some best bets of the week. It was weird last week. Cause we were reacting to the game. So we didn't have as many best bets as normal, but when we come back, we will have our best bets for you. Back here on the Gold Diggers podcast. All right, it is best bet time. Christmas Eve best bets. I don't know if that means anything extra to you, Michelle, but I'm going to put it on you anyway. No, it means nothing extra to me whatsoever. But I, I'm i kind of excited for games to be on Christmas Eve. I'm not excited for them to be on Christmas because, A, all three games are like crap. And crap. then like, I don't want to have to worry about football on Christmas. Like, ugh. I don't love that. And then also, but I mean, I guess the games are crap, so maybe I don't have to worry about it as much. But anyways, moving back to this 49ers game, my first best spot might not make people happy, but it's Brock Purdy getting an interception. So over 0.5 interceptions. Now he hasn't thrown one in the first two starts, but he has had turnover worthy plays. He's just getting lucky. Now also to go against this, Washington only has seven interceptions all season long and has zero over the last two games, both of them being against the Giants. Daniel Jones has actually been very careful with the ball this year. It's weird. He's not good still, but like he's been <laughs> careful with the ball. But before those two games against the Giants, they had had one plus interception in four straight games from weeks nine through 12. I just, I can't see Purdy going three straight starts without throwing an interception. I think they're going to get a lot of pressure on him with the defensive line that's going to cause a mistake. And he's been putting the ball like right into the hands of defenders. They just drop it. So I think this week, possibly they just catch it. Yeah, I believe he's had four turnover worthy plays so far. And look, sometimes they drop it. And, and the thing I like is that he's been able to capitalize on getting that block. The fact that the other team doesn't catch those interceptions. He's scoring after that, which is awesome to see because that's how you take advantage of that. But I do think eventually, yeah, like he's going to throw some. He's still a rookie quarterback in his first handful of starts. Every rookie quarterback does that, every single one. So it's not a knock on him to say, oh, I'm expecting him to throw a pick. It's not because I think he's terrible. It's just because quarterbacks throw picks. Like that right. Happens. That happens. I mean, Josh Allen like basically leads the league this year, and he's fantastic. Matthew yeah. Stafford last year led the league, and he won the Super Bowl. It's not yep. saying he's bad. It's just, you know, you can put the ball in harm's way, and he can Look, he can throw one and the odds are plus 100 because he hasn't thrown one yet so you can make all your money back like if you put down 10 bucks you win 10 dollars which is nice you know this show we are big on the over 0.5 interceptions for 49ers quarterbacks <laughs> and uh, i totally get why you would go there okay number 2 all right i'm going christian mccaffrey under 36 and a half receiving yards at first Ooh. i had over but i changed my mind to under he's the two starts with purdy the first start, three targets, two receptions, 34 receiving yards. So under. Last week, he was used nonstop, eight targets, six receptions, 30 receiving yards. With eight targets, he still didn't hit this over of 36 and a half. And you're looking at Washington. They do not allow a lot of receiving yards to running backs at all. Only one running back has hit this over all year long. It was Aaron Jones in week seven. He had 10 targets and nine receptions in the game at 53 yards. So he's the only one that hit it. Saquon Barkley last week had eight targets, 33 yards, so he wouldn't have hit it. We had Cordell Patterson in week 12 have five targets, 19 yards. Saquon Barkley again in week 13, five targets, 18 yards. Delvin Cook, uh, six targets, nine receiving yards in week nine. 
So they're pretty good at, at covering the running back position. I don't know if it's their linebackers or whatnot. Like I'm not super familiar with the Washington Commanders linebacker core and how good they are at covering running backs, but you have to expect their game plan in this game is to stop Christian McCaffrey. Like that has to be their entire game plan. It's really hard to do because he's freaking amazing, but I, I think he's going to need 10 targets in this game to hit that over. And I just don't know if he'll get that. And that's a little scary from a Niners perspective because him as a receiver has really unlocked this offense. It puts teams in a bind, even if he doesn't get the ball, just the way they move him around the field. But if Washington can clamp down on that, then you're going to need him to, to get it done on the ground as a runner, which is hit or miss. And then you're going to need production to come from somewhere else. And Debo's gone. And if they're really good against Kittle, then maybe this is the game that Ayuk has to step up. Um, you know, if he wants to be a number one guy, he can't have games like he's been having. Well, he's catches. just not getting targets. Do you think that's his fault? Again, that's what people say about Kittle, too, and I understand it. But, like, if you were really, like, the stud of studs, would you have a game where you don't get those targets? I don't know. I go back and forth. This is what frustrates me about Kyle Shanahan sometimes because I'm like, I don't think it's the guy's fault. Like, they're just, like, sometimes Shanahan just does just ignores them completely but, in a game. I, I think Ayuk has to be more involved in this game. I'm not going to take his over. It's 51 yards. And like I said, two receptions each of the last two weeks. I can't touch that line. But if the 49ers are going to look good on offense, I think he's going to have to be much more involved. Yeah. I, now you got me nervous. That Christian McCaffrey thing. If they can't use him as a receiver, that does change what Listen, they have McCaffrey, been doing. McCaffrey, though, is better than all the guys I named. I mean, there were, some, there were really good names. Saquon Barkley, Delvin Cook. Um, Patterson is good as a receiver as well. And obviously, Aaron Jones did hit the over. Christian McCaffrey can do what Aaron Jones did. So it doesn't mean, like, he's going to suck. It's just, I mean, he had eight targets, six receptions last week and still only hit 30 receiving yards. So do we expect him to do be even more involved or... Like Seattle's also really good at, I brought that up. Seattle's also really good at stopping running backs uh, in the passing game. So this is kind of a similar situation. I I think he'll be targeted. I just don't know how many yards per reception he'll get. So I think he needs a lot of receptions, but he's also talented enough to break one. This is what's scary about any under, you know, I hate taking unders, but if I have to go one way, I'm taking the under in this one. All right. Best bet. Number three. Going Jahan Dotson, the first round rookie for the commanders. They have his line at 28 and a half receiving yards. Taking that over for sure. Uh, It took some time for him to come back from that hamstring injury. Missed like a ton of the season in the middle of the year. Came back slowly. But over the last two weeks, he's played nearly 80% of the snaps. He hit 54 receiving yards two weeks ago, 105 yards last game. He has 15 targets over the last two games. And the 49ers have allowed at least two different wide receivers to hit 40 receiving yards against them in every game since week five. So you can go all the way back to week five and at least two wide receivers to hit over 40. He only needs 28. Well, sorry, 29 receiving yards. Like wide receivers can do it against the 49ers. It's not like they're super efficient, but they can get open. I mean, last week, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, 55, 68. He only needs 29. Like I I think it's going to happen. I think he could get that on one catch, to be yes, honest with you. Because sure. I think Heineke's going to take a couple deep shots to him. Um, He's kind really of just, good. Like, Jahan Dotson's a really good wide, uh, young wide receiver. Just like I said Brock Purdy should do, I think I think Heineke's going to give a couple YOLO throws. Like, hey, maybe the coverage isn't perfect, but whatever. 
Uh, it's a one-on-one matchup. I'm going to chuck it down the field, and we'll see what happens. So I think I like that over by you, and I also like his longest reception is 15 and a half. I, I would take that too because I think that that's how they're going to try and use him. I think they're going to use McLaurin um, shorter and try to just get the ball. If Traverius Ward is out, do you think Traverius Ward plays? Has he He's passed concussion protocol yet? He was trending towards playing. Uh, Kyle said he was in like the last step of the protocol. He's been limited. He hasn't had the no contact jersey. So that's a, obviously a very good sign. He technically like didn't have a concussion. He could have returned to the game last week. They just didn't put him in. So now maybe he had other symptoms after that. I don't know. But the fact that he seems to be progressing, I think means he's going to play, but I'm not 100% sure. If, I mean, we only have till tomorrow. So it's not like you have till Sunday. If he doesn't play, then I'm taking the Terry McLaurin over as well. I think it's 56. Um, I don't have it up right now, but it, it was somewhere around there. Terry McLaurin's uh, a really, really good wide receiver. So, and with Taylor Heineke, Heineke really loves McLaurin. Carson Wentz did not for whatever reason, but I would also take that over. Because he's Carson Wentz. Uh, McLaurin's over is 57 and a half. Okay. Yep. I like that over as well. Now, if Ward's in, it's a little bit ner- more nerve wracking. I still think he hits it either way because I felt like the 49ers did a really good job shutting down DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett last week, and they still both 55, 68. So. Yeah, if Ward is out, then it's scary because then you're talking about Diamondor Lenore and Samuel Womack. And yeah, even Ambry Thomas is banged up. I could see this being a letdown game if. It wasn't Taylor Heineke. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's scrappy. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not trying to hate on like, – he, he's an okay quarterback. He's just – he's not great, and the 49ers defense is just too good. I just can't see them scoring very many points. But if the Washington defense can shut down the 49ers defense, I can see maybe they win like a 12-9 to game or something. But again, yeah, like, I, don't... I wouldn't hate that. I'm just like – I I'm – I think I'm overthinking this win streak, but I just I just know how the NFL works, and it's really hard to have everything go your way for 14 straight games. Like That just doesn't really ever happen. I mean, we saw it in 2019 when they went to the Super Bowl. They still lost to Atlanta at home. Like, it it happens. It's The, the league is, is engineered so that it happens, too. Like, that's what they want. They sort of embrace the chaos. I'll never root for a loss, but, yeah, if they lose, you know, it's so different for us because they've got the playoff spot locked up. Like we're not used to this with three weeks to go in the season with Kyle Shanahan. We're white knuckling it, watching the last play of the last week of the last game to see if the Niners get into the playoffs. Like now we're here. It's just, it's a different vibe. I just can't believe that the Vikings came back and won that game last week. Cause oh, right now the 49ers would be sitting at the number two seed and feel real like, okay, we got this. I just, 33 to zero. Come on, come on Colts. Like how embarrassing, how embarrassing. but I just felt like the whole world knew too, like that they were going to come back. You didn't know they're going to win, but you just knew like something's going to happen here. The NFL I don't know. Wild this year. I don't know what Matt Ryan did to enrage the football <laughs> gods. That dude has been on the losing end of the biggest comeback in NFC championship game history at home. That was the 49ers when Colin Kaepernick beat him in 2012. He's been a part of the biggest Super Bowl comeback in NFL history against the Patriots, lost that one too. And now he's a losing quarterback on the greatest comeback period ever 
in NFL history. Like, what did Matt Ryan do to the football gods? He's not very good. I, I know he went through. He he was a decent quarterback for a while of his career, but right now he is putrid, and he needs to call. He he's benched. like he's like Ben last year. Not Ben was a little bit better than Matt Ryan, but his uh, like his mobility, his exact like like if there is any pressure, you're just screwed. You're not getting out of that pocket. You're just too <laughs> slow. You're too slow. It, it's not going to work. He's he's got to go. But that was an entertaining game. Now let's hope the Giants can get it done against the Vikings. And then, mm-hmm. like I said, I still think the 49ers are the number two seed when it's all said and done. Let's go. Sign me up for two seed in the playoffs. I'll take my chances against anybody. Do you have any other best bets before we call it a show? I don't. Those are my top three. Good luck. I hope you didn't take my advice last week about Alec Pierce. I'm really sorry. Shh. Shh. We don't talk about that. Uh, just to review quick, Brock Purdy over uh, 0.5 interceptions, Christian McCaffrey under 36 and a half receiving yards and Jahan Dodson. What is it's over? Sorry. 28 have, and a half. Thank you. Yep. I should probably write it down if I'm going to review all of them. <laughs> Idiot. Uh, all right. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. We hope you all have a very happy holiday. If you are celebrating this weekend, uh, remember we have the crossover podcast. That's still going to come out tomorrow. I'm going to drop it right at midnight, uh, so you'll have it there. If you want a little preview on Saturdays, myself and Jamal Forrest from Hogs Haven, our Washington Commanders community here at SB Nation, we broke it down, uh, took a deep dive on the Commanders for you. And, of course, after the game, instant reaction show. I coerced Levin Black into joining me on Christmas Eve. So we'll have on the Niners Nation Twitter, Facebook, YouTube pages, my Twitch page, which is at Stats on Fire if you want to follow me there. So it's going to be regular instant reaction show. Your wife gonna... hates you. <laughs> like you're still doing the instant reaction show. You are a true professional, sir. But uh, hey, yeah, your wife cannot be happy with you. Some shows take time off and some shows don't. And I'm just saying this is a show that doesn't. Niners Nation, we don't. Okay. And that's what you can count on. Look, you know, we do pods the entire off season. We're not going anywhere. No, you're you're doing a great job, and I hope it's a fun reaction show, and it's nice and easy, and you don't have to be talking about no loss or things going wrong. So there's to a nice Christmas Eve. I can't believe it's tomorrow. It's literally shocking. We have had eight or seven straight happy recaps on the Instant Reaction Show. Uh, let's just go for one more. Come on, give me a happy recap on Christmas Eve. Thank you, everybody. Enjoy the holiday, and we'll talk to you after the game. Bye, y'all. Bye.